I'd like to acknowledge Australia's First Nation people as the traditional custodians of the land, and for this episode in particular, the Gadigal people. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We were very adamant, actually, no, we, we want to create something that, that's ours, that we're really proud of and, and that we've, we've built from the ground up. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Two friends, Nav Greywall and Paul Hayes, found they had a like-minded passion for tequila. And so began the story of Vivir. Today, they join me to bring their 100% agave tequila to the world. Recently launched in Australia and quickly collecting accolades across the world, Premium Tequila has a brand new star. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nav. Thanks for joining me. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Thanks very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, especially being so early in the morning over there in the UK. Tell me, this is tequila, but not as you know it. How do two friends come together, start talking about tequila, and then end up producing a super premium product? Yeah, so, so Nav and I used to work together, um, so we became friends through that. Uh, but we very quickly learned that we had a, a sort of mutual love for, for tequila, which is quite rare. We're talking like six or seven years ago now. Um, we spent quite a lot of time in the gym together as well, which, which tends to start and spark conversations around things. And, um, and yeah, like I say, we, we, we learned that we, we shared a, a mutual love and knowledge as well, which is the other key part of, of what quality tequila was. So that kind of started the ball rolling, really. And I mean, in Australia, I'm not sure if it's the same in the UK, but we've always had a bit of a disparity between um, tequila that was, you know, drunk when you were kind of 16, 17, 18, had a bad experience with and premium tequila. What's the reception like of tequila over in the UK? Yeah, it's, it's probably quite similar, to be honest. Um, well, especially when we first started to launch or wanted to start to launch, um, people have that, that past experience. It tends to be around those, those sort of dodgy uni nights, I guess, where they, they have that, that cringe face as soon as you mention the word tequila to them. Um, but as we always pointed out, it's like it's, it's not that you don't like tequila. It's just you haven't had the right tequila. And to be honest, it probably wasn't even tequila that you had in the first place. Um, however, the mindset has definitely started to change. Um, in fact, it's it's very much started to change through, since the pandemic as well. The curiosity that sort of stemmed over from from the US um, with the likes of the celebrities getting involved and people wanted to understand. Well, well, someone like George Clooney obviously isn't just doing doing shots in a dive bar in the middle of the, in the middle of the night. So, so what is he drinking and why is he drinking it? So that curiosity has definitely started to uh, to change the mindset towards tequila. I think, yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it, it is a shame that, that people's first impression is, like you said, sometimes it's not even tequila that you're drinking. It's a flavored spirit of some kind, which is gives it a really bad rep. But how do you start? You, you talk about tequila, you're pumping iron in the gym. How do you get to, you know, go over and find a distillery? How does that all get started? Um well, it actually starts from quite a long, long time ago. So I actually founded a food company about 16 years ago now or so. Um, although it's a completely different sector, I, I was the first guy to bring Swiss-style Birch and Muesli to the UK, uh, or one of the first guys. Um, but I'm, I'm a bit of a fitness freak as well and care about locally sourcing and sustainability. And I refuse to use refined sugar in any of the products that, that I had. Um, so it got recommended to me to use agave syrup, but me being me and wanting to know everything about it, I, I very quickly learned I was going to have to go to Mexico to, to start finding the good stuff and, and importing it in bulk into the UK. So that's what I did. I jumped on a plane, went to Mexico, um, and it was through that process, basically, that I, I fell in love with tequila um, because I just started working with the distilleries, really. 
so that's where that whole that whole thing started quite a long time ago way way before we even considered starting our own tequila brand <laughs> okay that makes more sense i heard something about birch muesli and i couldn't for the life of me connect the two of what was happening here but um so you like to make things hard for yourself you like to source and know everything about your ingredients which i think anyone involved in the booze or the food industry ends up having a love and um, a quest for getting to know the bottom line and wanting to know where everything comes from. So I commend you for that. Um, when, and you also must have gone to, to Mexico thinking, you know, even if I have the worst time here and I don't find what I'm looking for, at least I'll probably drink well. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you say that, but the reality is it was the opposite because I'm in this really weird scenario as well be, um, where before that I didn't touch tequila at all. Um, because I didn't know the difference between good quality and bad quality tequila, but bad quality tequila, um, I can go through the process, but uh, is the one thing in the world that I'm actually allergic to. So I actually purposefully avoided tequila at all costs. Like I said, didn't regardless if it was good or bad, it was just tequila and I couldn't touch the stuff. Um, and it was one of those first trips to Mexico that I actually drank really high quality tequila by mistake and um, discovered I actually loved it and I could drink it. I was absolutely fine with it. And that's how that became my drink. So, so yeah, so I actually went with the mindset of saying, well, yeah, I'll go to Mexico and enjoy the food and the culture, but I won't be actually drinking anything. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, frankly, that sounds made up to be allergic to low quality tequila. How did you work that out? <laughs> so, well, whenever I used to drink it, I used to, my skin goes all blotchy and red, my throat swells up. It's it's quite bad, like an, a, an allergic reaction like you'd expect. Um, but again, sort of me being me and, and wanting to understand things when I actually drank it by mistake and all fairness to me, it was like about eight, eight thirty in the morning. Right. And there was just clear bottles with liquid in and I thought it was water. That's why I drank it by mistake. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but it's so me being me, I wanted to then understand well, obviously I'm not allergic to tequila, so it must be something else, but actually it's, it's underage agave sugars. So there's a lot of processing of, of tequila these days in Mexico, um, where they don't actually let the agave they fully mature um, and then roast it to extract the sugar. They they uproot it far too young, which is quite a big problem on sustainability and, and the general tequila economy over there. Um, and then instead of cooking it, they actually just put it through a hydrochloric bath to chemically convert starch to sugar. And that's the thing I'm allergic to. So, so there is science behind it. <laughs> wow. That, I mean, what a nice thing to learn. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Now, you work with the most awarded tequila distillery in Mexico, how did you come about them? And it sounds like something that, that's in your personality to say, I want to work with the best. How did you end up finding and, um, you know, having a partnership with them? Yeah, I mean, that stems from from back in the day as well, really. Um, I'd worked with them before um, before the tequila side of things on the agave side. So I'd, we'd sort of built those, well, I built those relationships in those early days. Um, and they're, they're fantastic distilleries. So they're, they're fifth generation, family run, um, just an amazing place. And and one of the key things about them is is they were willing to work with us to create our own actual liquid. So this is one thing you realize, especially with the boom of tequila over in the US, there's a lot of white labeling going on in the sense that people just going over, they pick a, a liquid that already exists and throw their logo on it. Whereas we, we were very adamant, actually, no, we, we want to create something that that's ours, that we're really proud of and, and that we've we've built from the ground up, um, which is why it actually, it actually took us about three years to develop our liquid. 
it really wasn't a quick process but that's that's kind of why we decided to work with those guys and i i mean there is a huge demand for tequila across the world and so you can kind of see why some of the processes are sped up to keep up with demand but let's talk about what why it is such a premium product tell me a little bit about the highland weber agave that you use and the process with you know from your water source down to the peanut hearts and, and tell me what makes it so special so yeah, you, you rightly identify we use um, the Highland Weber Blue Agave. So um, just as a quick background on tequila. So there's many different varieties of, of agave, uh, hundreds of varieties, in fact. Um, but tequila can only be made from one of those varieties, which is the Weber Blue Agave, um, and grown within certain states of, of Mexico, the main one being Jalisco. Uh, and there's two main varieties of that Weber Blue. You've got the Highland and Lowland. Um, we, we select the Highland. Um, and it tends to have a more floral and citrusy, kind of like a slightly sweeter uh, base to it as well. Um, so hence why it's slightly more sought after. And our distillery actually owns its own estates as well in the Highlands, uh, which is where we, we grow our agave for around up to seven to eight years. Um, so this really allows the, the agave sugars to mature and develop um, and, and give it a very high sugar content. Um, we also stick with uh, traditional uh, production uh, processes so we use um what they call hornos which is like the brick ovens and it's it's basically like a slow kind of caramelization process over like two days to cook that agave um and then what we do is we um we we um distill that twice in um in pot stills and then we have a volcanic spring uh that runs through our distillery which is the water source that we use to bring it down from around 55 percent to to 40 percent wow so interesting you, you first just to pick up on a couple of things there, you're using pot distillation, which is, I mean, I've heard of that used in a bit of mezcal and a few other things, but typically it's, it's um, you know, kind of continuous and things like that, right? And then also your fermentation is much slower than what is normally used. Why is that? Yeah, that's right. So so on the pot distillation, uh, this is the traditional methods of, for tequila. Um, a lot of the kind of like the bigger brands now um, – you know, in order to kind of speed up that process, I suppose they use column distillation, um, which is a quicker process and, and, and cheaper and more affordable, economical as well. Um, but we, we, we want to stick to, to pot distillation and feel it like it makes better product um, and, and more premium craft finish to it as well. Um, in regards to the Hornos as well, the brick ovens, um, again, this is the traditional tequila process as well. And um, there are other methods as well. As Paul mentioned, you know, one of the faster methods now is to use um, uh, what they're called diffusers, which is essentially cooking the agave in hydrochloric acid. Um, But it kind of, um, it can sap out a lot of the actual agave flavor out of, out of the tequila. Whereas the Hornos, because of that slow kind of, you know, cooking process over two days, it really helps to kind of like um, caramelize and sweeten the, those agave sugars in the final product. Mm. And I suppose a little bit of less bitterness as well in that it's just a, a little bit like slow cooking a nice piece of meat as well. You know, you kind of get the best out of it, the more pa- the patient you are. Exactly. And obviously, Unfortunately, now with the growth of it, uh, a lot of that patience has gone from a lot of the bigger brands. So, um. Yeah. In terms of your um, volcanic spring as well, I, I think that sometimes people don't realize how important the water source is coming in that it's kind of added, you know, to the final, well, not to the final product, but towards the end. Um, what do you, where, where did you decide, how did you decide on, on that particular water source and, and um, what do you think that that adds? 
Yeah, there's there's a couple of points here, and you're completely right. And it, it actually amazed me when I first went over there um, and and learned that a lot of places don't massively care about the water source as much. When I, I obviously think about the the traditional whiskey production and, and actually why the distilleries were set where they were, it's because it was access to quality water, right? So so we've always put that at the forefront. Um, and our distillery, Casamayshi, is actually only one of four distilleries that have their own volcanic spring. So it's it's quite a big deal. Um, and we use it through the entire process. So as Nav says, we use it to to bring the tequila down to to forty percent. Um, we also use it in literally in every every touch point uh, through the entire production process. So even the cleaning of the machinery and everything afterwards, we still only use that same water, um, and it just makes such a huge difference in that quality. Um, but also, it makes it much more sustainable. And this is something that that we do really care about. And it's not just a buzzword for us. I actually own a, a small sustainability business as well. So it's something that we 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 really take on board and, and sort of put through every part of the business. Um, but us using our own water means that we don't have to use local lake or reservoir water, which can be used for other villages, other crops, uh, livestock, all of these types of things. So we, we try and sort of give back to everyone as much as possible and, and do things ourselves in a much more like sustainable and, and economic way, really. But it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? And and I think, you know, it can mean all manner of sin, sustainability and, you know, people tend to put it on, on brands and labels and, and unless you're really transparent um, in how how that affects the world um it's a bit of a shame because it starts to lose its poignancy but when you head over there and and you're you're working often with families and um smaller communities what does it mean to kind of produce a product and know that um somehow it's adding back some value to them as a community yeah i mean it's it's just super important right it, like we we're the ones that have come into into their world i guess and and have the privilege of of producing such a quality a quality product that that has been produced there for for over 600 years now um and has been passed through generation to generation so it's a real honor and privilege that we can do these type of things so so we have to make sure that we're supporting in any way possible really um which is what we do we we sort of break down the entire production process and look at it from every aspect in terms of general sustainability but also um economic and and um and local community sustainability as well so so simple things like the fact that that we make sure that all our humidors um the people that work out in the field to to harvest and and manage our crop they're all employed full-time and the same with our distillery um and our our distillery actually won the presidential award over in mexico for their their efforts in all of these parts so it's it's something they take really seriously as well which is one of the reasons we wanted to partner with them Um, we also keep a certain amount of our, our agave and allow it to flower so we can we can harvest the seeds of future generations. Um, this also is part of a sustainability um, uh, project allowing the agave bats to come and feed um, from the plants, which help pollinate not just future generations of agave, but also future generations of, of other wildflowers, wild plants that keeps the entire ecology of the area going. Um, and these are just a couple of examples, but there's there's a there's huge amounts of things that that need to be done over there, and especially as tequila grows in popularity around the world, it just puts more and more strain on the on this area. Bear in mind, Jalisco is although it's a big area, um, it's still relatively small when you think of the fact that everything, all tequila, all Weber Blue, has to be grown and and um, and turned into tequila in this region. So the strain just gets higher and higher, and it's only it's only if we all kind of work together as as responsible um, tequila brands and owners that that the, the longevity is going to be there from, from both sides, the, the environmental, but also the, for the, for the people really. Yeah. So important. And, and thinking about, 
you know, the future of that land and, and, you know, making it work as best they can without having to, you know, um, like you said, some, you know, some products can decimate the land that they're on and, and make it inhabitable for, for other species of plants and things like that. So super important. It's great that you, um, like you said, you are quite transparent on, on the website as well about how and, and why you're kind of, um, selecting who you choose to work with and, and, and everything that goes into the product. Once we get into, uh, some of the decisions around uh, what you want the product to look like. Tell me a little bit about, I believe that was the Blanco that was first on the market. Is that right? We actually launched all three um, at the same time. Yeah, the Blanco, Repsado and, and the Necho, yeah. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about the, the, the range that you have. Um, I am a firm believer in that there is a place for all different types of tequila. So, you know, some days I'm in the mood for Blanco. Sometimes I'm really in the mood for sitting around at the you know end of a meal and having a reposado. Um, but talk to me a little bit about the, the offerings that you have. Sure. So, yeah, um, as you mentioned, um, so uh, the Blanco is, uh, is the purest form of, of tequila um also known as like silver as well um so that comes as we mentioned we cook that over two days uh, and then we distill that twice um and then that comes out around 55 percent. and all we do is we use the volcanic spring water to bring that down to 40 percent, and then we bottle it straight away um so there's no aging process within that um, and it is essentially the pure, purest form of tequila that you can have it's great on its own particularly if you like those notes of agave um they are quite strong um but you know that, like I said, that is 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 the purest form of tequila you're going to have. Um, also, great margaritas and cocktails and palomas, that sort of stuff, um, and long drinks as well. In terms of um, enjoying it with like a soda or, or tonic, um, citrus-based tonics as well, in particular, great. Um, and then you move on to the reposado, which is um, the first of the aged um, tequilas. So, a reposado is just meaning rested, and it, and uh, for a reposado, it can be anywhere between 12, two and twelve months. We actually leave ours for six months, um, and we use um, ex bourbon barrels as well. In fact, um, Jack Daniel barrels. Um, as when we were going through the aging process, we found it it kind of made the best the best quality product um, in terms of consistency as well. Uh, although both of us are actually neither. Neither of us are Jack Daniels fans, are we? <laughs> um, <laughs> we love the brand, though. We love the brand. <laughs> oh, the brand's awesome. Barrel's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one's slightly kind of um, sweeter, I would say. Um, I would say it's a great... Um, if you've... And with most people, unfortunately, they've had a bad experience of tequila in the past with, with the cheap stuff. I would actually say to them, try the Reposado first because it's a little bit sweeter. It's more kind of caramel and, and notes of vanilla coming through it. I think it's through obviously the bourbon barrels um but again great to have it on on its own um mix it as well with like a ginger ale so it's similar to kind of like a rum and ginger balance with the caramel and ginger notes um and again great great in cocktails too as well um i love to make spicy margaritas with the reposado <clears throat> and then finally you move on to the añejo which is our um our uh, <clears throat> aged tequila, so that's over 12 months. Um, and the Echo can be anywhere between 12 and 3 years. We actually leave ours for um, 18, year, 18 months. Um, so hence why it's quite a dark colour. Um, and like with any product, um, the longer you leave it in a barrel for them, I guess the further it's going to move away from its what its original use was into more of like a kind of those whiskey notes <clears throat> but we found the 18 months gave it a, a nice balance between kind of 
still retaining a lot of those agave notes, but kind of just mellowing them down and making it more kind of sippable, um, but also appreciating the notes of the barrels as well. So I'd very much like say this one is a, is a sipping tequila. Mm. It's certainly, I mean, did, did you do some trials based on different types, like French and American oak or Hungarian and then settle, or did you know automatically you wanted to use um, the bourbon casks? Yeah, we, we actually trialed about eight different casks initially. Um, the JD one was the, the ninth we trialed in the end. Um, we ranged from raw white American oak that, that we charred ourselves through through various different bourbon casks. Um, we, we stuck with with American oak and specifically bourbon because that's that's traditionally what um, most people use. Uh, aged tequilas are still relatively new in the grand scheme of, of the world of tequila. And obviously, it was it was bourbon casks that tended to be used because they're just so readily available to the Mexican market um, from the US. So we wanted to very much go down that route. Um, so we, we kind of stuck to that and just tried a load of variations on there. But we always had in mind, though, that we wanted to, to sort of break out and do limited edition versions further down the line. For example, we've got a lot of routes into, into cognac in, in um, France. So we are going to trial at some point getting some cognac casks over to Mexico to, to age our Blanco in there to produce some Reposados as well. So we've definitely got that in, in, the, uh, in the works, um, but we wanted to, to stick to our, our sort of more traditional guns, I guess, um, in those early days. It's a really interesting, um, the Anejo in particular, product because I think that you see some of those sweeter spices coming from the American oak, but there's a lot of kind of... Um, I don't know, pantry staple spices like nutmeg and kind of ground cardamom and things like that, that I think jump out at you. But I'm amazed by the palate because it actually has a really luxurious kind of mouthfeel to it. And it feels incredibly concentrated in terms of flavor. Um, And I don't know if that's just, you know, the 18 months or if it's got to do with, you know, that slow fermentation or maybe the distillation and enriching that alcohol a little bit more but it just really feels like there's a lot of flavor for the tiny sips that you have yeah um definitely that and that's completely fair to say and i think there's there's a number of reasons for that uh so so first of all is the aging process yeah the longer you leave there the more you you sort of extracting from that wood and from those casks which definitely adds to that that overall impact i guess on um on on the mouthfeel um but a lot of that mouthfeel as well still comes from the fact that we are using fully mature agave so the brooks content for example which is the sugar content in there sits around like 28 29 um which suddenly becomes comparable to to the likes of grapes and things which is is really high in this industry and that that helps to bring and deliver a lot of natural um natural mouthfeel as well as flavor it's also when you start to go through that aging process that it matures a lot of those those sugars i should also add as well that, that tequila although we talk about sugar um it's much and they're saying alcohol is healthy by any means, but it's much—it's a much healthier sugar compared to normal things. For, even to the point where tequila is the only upper, for example, every other alcohol is a depressant, whereas tequila actually isn't. It's a stimulant, um, because of the low GI nature of the the sugar that agaves contain. It's just the the magical plants. They're just amazing what they what they can do. Um, but also, yeah, when say when you go through that aging process, it starts to mature those those sugars naturally, which gives those those spicier notes, and also that the terroir of the land is is super important here as well and you get a lot of that from those highlands especially in the areas that we grow which you've rightfully identified things like nutmeg almost like slight bits of cinnamon and things coming through 
And that's naturally, naturally, you kind of get that from the plants that grow um, in those areas. It's one of the one of the, the things I absolutely love about tequila is I often compare it to wine or, or cognac because unlike other spirits where it's normally the aging process or it's the botanicals you add or something that brings the flavor to it, um, tequila is, is purely flavored from from the agave in a similar way that, that cognac is purely from those grapes as is wine um, until you go through the aging process. But but it's it's quite special in that and and you you are tasting the land essentially of Mexico. We always say, <laughs> yeah, and and I completely agree with you. It, it it is something that is a product of where it's grown by whom, and then you know it's the later decisions as well that add something to it. But it all starts kind of you know from the ground up where it comes from and, and you can see that from from one product to the next um, you also added in a coffee liqueur as well which I'm really thrilled to see because I do think that we especially in Australia are limited to very small amount of coffee liqueurs um, and they can be really different but I think we just need more on the market because believe it or not espresso martinis are a massive deal in this country I don't know how they're going over there but one of the most ordered cocktails on the planet and it's really nice to have um, some different product to work with for the bartenders I just feel relieved for them yeah, yeah absolutely um, so yeah we launched our uh, Viver Cafe VS uh, rather recently with you uh, in Australia, um, end of last year in the UK, um, and then it's just gone into Coles uh, just about two months ago now, I think. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, tequila and coffee is just a, a great combination, first of all. Um, coffee is, is massively drunk in, in Mexico. Um, the Mexican coffee beans that we use within the Vivir Cafe as well are, are really high premium. Um, we actually saw some locally to our distillery as well. Um, so the ba- and the base of the spirit obviously is of a beer blanco, um, and we we actually sweeten it with um, piloncillo, which is this Mexican cane sugar. So we don't use like a raw raw cane sugar, but um, we use uh, the local Mexican uh, sugar called piloncillo, which is um, gives it a nice rounded sweet sweet kind of balance to it as well. Um, but also one of the things we wanted to do with it, um, and and we found like kind of a lot of coffee to cure liqueurs and coffee tequila liqueurs in the past have kind of moved more towards like the very high high sugar content and just making it very kind of sticky and kind of almost sickly sweet um is we wanted to kind of bring back more of those notes of the tequila and coffee which is essentially what the product is um so you'll you'll notice on like the kind of the nose of it you're getting you're getting a nice strong um smell of smell of coffee but then you're also getting the you know when you're tasting it as well you're also getting the a good backbone of agave as well to it. Um, we wanted that to come through because we felt that that actually makes a better quality and rounded product in terms of cocktails now. And like you said as well, espresso martinis in particular. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited to launch it. Um, we know how big co- coffee is for Australian people. So yeah, it's a big deal. It's a totally big deal. I have to say, it's got so much um, savoury fra- flavours to it as well, which really excites me. And like you said, maybe, it, I don't know, are you the only people using the, I don't know how to say it properly, Pinocillo? Pinocillo? Uh, yeah, I would say we're probably the only ones. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, certainly, obviously, you know, for us, it's slightly different because we're, we're based in Mexico, so we can source it, whereas other kind of more traditional coffee liqueurs will probably be using more kind of just normal sugar 
uh, to sweeten their products. Oh, well, I, I urge anybody that's going to look at this product to not put it in an espresso martini and try it on, on its own first because it's absolutely superb. And just a lovely way to round out the whole range as well. I think, I mean, it seems like there's definitely possibilities for, um, you know, uh, one-off kind of products. And like you said, uh, some special releases to be added on. But so far, like such a strong, strong base. And um, yeah, I mean, so welcome. And how have you found the Australian market has kind of responded to to your to your tequila? Yeah, really Really positive. Yeah, really positive. It's, it's a funny one, right? Because obviously we launched in the middle of a global pandemic. So it's, it's not your, your, yeah, exactly. It's not your usual way of doing it. And unfortunately, we live the other side of the world. So we couldn't easily get over there to, to sort of sit down with people directly, which is something we, we're really passionate about and we love doing. It was one of our biggest wins in the UK. For example, we, we were the first um, independent actual tequila brand based in the UK, which meant that we could do that work and actually sit down with bartenders, sit down with with customers and, and do the education and, and show what good quality tequila can be. And we very much wanted to do that in Australia when we launched, but obviously <laughs> the world had other ideas at the time. Um, so we, we still tried to do that as much as possible through the likes of, of tech, the clever world of technology now, like things like this, I guess, that the world's suddenly a lot smaller. Um, and even through social media, and we've and we tried to engage as much as possible, but we've seen a huge amount of people posting. Um, it's been 100% positive, and we, we try and open those that dialogue up and we'll reach out to people and, and get their feedback and get their, their understanding. Um, and yeah, they've they've very much adopted it, which is, is fantastic to see, and, and hopefully very soon we should be on the ground there as well to do a bit of a, a bit of a roadshow to actually speak to people face to face. Yeah, it must be so interesting to see the reception from completely different demographics in different countries because, you know, the product is probably drunk in really different ways as well. Tell me, because I've never been to the UK, tell me how, how do people respond and how do they drink your tequila? What are you finding is kind of the way that is most popular or, you know, tell me about the tequila drinking culture of the UK. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. It's it's evolved a lot, even in the short time that we've kind of been around, I guess, as an actual tequila brand. The reality is 99% of people just know tequila as a shot. So that's kind of where it sits. Regardless, again, if it's a low quality or a high quality um, tequila, the difference is it's just a more expensive shot to buy for most people. Um, margaritas were definitely starting to grow uh, before the pandemic. Obviously, they've exploded now, and now it's the most it's the, it's the most popular cocktail and most searched for cocktail globally now, whereas before it was number 15 or something. So so that's that's massively helped, but through through the pandemic, um, it started to pique people's curiosity as well. So they they actively had the time to to go. Okay, cool. I've I've I was never going to order a, a random tequila cocktail in a bar because it's a bit of a risk, right? In the sense, it's going to cost me fifteen twenty pounds um, to purchase. I'd rather spend that money and buy something that I know I like. Whereas now they were sat at home and gone. Actually, do you know what? It's a lot cheaper for me to buy the raw spirits. I've got time. I can reach out to people or brands on social and, and understand what how I can make this properly. So. So variations on margarita cocktails became super popular, as did variations on classic cocktails. So things like Negronis, um, replacing the the gin with a, a Blanco tequila um, or espresso martinis, like you've rightfully identif- identified, and not just using the coffee liqueur, but actually replacing the vodka with with our Reposado or our Anecco. Um, because people had, they already knew they liked those types of cocktails, so why not try them with tequila? And actually, suddenly, it brings more of a rounded profile, and they absolutely love them. And since the pandemic's lifted, we've seen bars go crazy for variations on tequila cocktails. In fact, we've had some bars 
do more tequila in a month than they did the entire of a, of a year beforehand, before the pandemic. So, so people have massively adopted it. Um, and then the third point that Nav mentioned earlier as well is, is simple long serves. So tequila and tonic and, and tequila and soda um, has definitely increased as well in terms of popularity, purely because it, it's just it's so simple to make. Um, and, and people just don't think of it sometimes. It's just like you, you think, oh, gin and tonic, that's, that's the way it is, right? It's always gin with tonic. But it's like, actually, no, it's, it's, you can use other bases in there. And, and tequila is a great one because it has such a, a naturally botanical and, and sort of floral flavor. So it, it matches tonics very, very well. Um, and, and yeah, people have, have loved doing that purely for the simplicity of making it. <laughs> and there's so much reward. As we know, when we cook at home and you, you put some effort into something, it, it it, the the end result is so much more pleasurable, but I'm so glad to hear people are making cocktails. In fact, in lockdown here, I had a, a cocktail party with a few people in the neighborhood. And, and again, we did them in you know mason jars and dropped them at the front door and kind of did a bit of a swap. And it'd been a long time since I got my cocktail shaker out and I was steeping teas and things. And my partner said, God, you always just go, you know, over the top with everything. And I was like, this is the most fun I've had in all of lockdown. Like, don't take it away from me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's been great to see um the zoom parties we've had have been been fantastic um some of the ones was just like well beforehand we might get like two or three people joining a random zoom or live session that we do whereas i think we were peaking at like 70 80 and, and bear in mind we didn't have a huge social following at the time we were quite small and just an independent tequila but suddenly just people joining in um wanting to learn what to do with it or coming in with suggestions as well like oh i tried this thing it was amazing and i think that's been stuck at home and and having the only thing you could do is go to the supermarket, right? So actually people spent a bit more time in there because they were like, this is my one trip out of the house. So let's get a bit more uh, adventurous in terms of what we look at and what we purchase. Um, and cocktail ingredients just became one of those things. So, so people enjoyed it then suddenly when they, they got home and, and could play with it themselves. That's such a positive to hear out of so many negatives. And I, I'm glad that you've given that to me today. I'm really partial to an old fashioned um, with tequila, actually. And I think, you know, the, these days we've got so many different bitters products and I love bitters as well and trying out new bitters. So something as simple as an old fashioned, perhaps with the Anejo or the Reposado and some, you know, local bitters that's made, uh, you know, in Australia. I just think the possibilities are great with a really good garnish. Delicious. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's music to our ears. That's what we love hearing is, is taking, taking those, those traditional things and the, the classics that people love, but being adventurous and, and trying it with tequila um, and as a locally source of ingredients, it just, it, it changes the drink, in, um, but not entirely. So you still get the same profiles. You still, you still have that thing that's memorable to people, but it's, an, it's, it's still a new experience and an old fashioned, yeah, with, especially with our repo. I, I absolutely love it. Oh, sounds so good. I, I mean, I'm really excited for you guys when you come down here. I hope that when I'm walking into some bars in Sydney, I'm seeing the product on the shelves. Um, I certainly will um, do my best to word of mouth <laughs> to get it out there. I don't think you need that much help, though. Um, but I am curious just to hear a little bit about yourselves. If you both could only drink three beverages for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? First of all, <laughs> probably should be super boring and say water. <laughs> um, you know, stay hydrated, uh, people. Um, no, um, for me, the, the, my favorite drink in the entire world is Oroneco. Um, and I know it's, it sounds probably cliche to say it's our own products, but it genuinely is. It's, it's something that's special to me. Um, 
it's I think as well because one it, it tastes great obviously but it was our biggest risk as well as a brand when we first started we had to wait 18 months for it to age and obviously being a starter we didn't have a huge amount of cash so so tying up a lot of liquid in those casks for 18 months and having to wait and then just crack them open and, and sort of fingers crossed and hopefully this is going to taste okay and not like rubbish was a very tense moment um, and when it came out and, and it was as good as it was it was it was a massive relief and it instantly became <laughs> it became my baby um, so so yeah so that's that's definitely my number one um, I absolutely love it. Um, are we talking? Are we talking to alcoholic drinks or any drink? You can do whatever you like. <laughs> um, okay, I, I will say soda water then. That's definitely my other one. Um, purely for the fact I absolutely love it. It's the thing I probably drink the most of. But also, it's it, it's my simple serve that I go to with tequila. So I'll blanco and soda water um, all day long. I I, I used to uh, coin this phrase um, uh, a sporty tequila. That's what I used to call it as my cocktail because I'd have it with a pint of soda water and a double shot of, of tequila. So I always felt like I was drinking a pint of water every single time I had a drink. So, you know, being the sensible one. <laughs> um, I like that. And, and third is probably going to be coffee. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a huge coffee fiend. Um, I like my caffeine um, and I just, yeah, I just absolutely love it. And, and this is one of the reasons that I love spending time in Mexico as well, because they have some of the best coffee out there. Um, you just sort of walk around the local traders that are by the, the side of the street doing espressos and things like that. I just, I love tri- like trialing them. I guess the challenge is though, when you're like six or seven in um, and the caffeine suddenly hits in, it's, it gets a bit shaky. Um, but yeah, I can't, I definitely can't live without my caffeine. And also it's, it's another great mix to have with your, uh, your tequila, of course, as we've proven. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It should be a thing, you know, like a bit like you order a good coffee and tequila comes on the side. I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Actually, funny you should say that. Um, I was chatting to a few restaurants recently and something that's, that does come out of the pandemic as well, I've noticed, is um, on the desserts, instead of people wanting a dessert, they've wanted a quality liqueur and a short coffee to go with it to the point where a lot of restaurants now are actually putting that on the dessert menu very specifically, um, which is really, really cool to see because I'm one of those people like i don't i kind of want something after my meal but i don't just want another cognac or something like that and i don't i definitely don't want a dessert so actually offering like a a sort of dessert liqueur option combo thing works really well um so yeah i guess that's where yeah i guess that that, uh, yeah i'm happy with my choice of coffee now then (laughs) i like that and you know a lot of things would not get done without coffee so it really is essential 100 (laughs) percent Uh, for me, I think I'm pretty much similar, quite similar to you, Paul, actually, but I'd, put, I'd probably got to throw in a, a margarita into that, particularly a spicy margarita. That's definitely been my drink during lockdown, I would say, <laughs> getting me through it. Do you use like, uh, like chilies, fresh chilies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, you um, the kind of the, the larger red chilies, um, and then just kind of cut that in half and then, and, and then just mash that, um, it's actually really nice if you add some coriander as well to it. Um, and then you, um, yeah, it's quite a big drink over here called picante, which is a, a chili, chili and coriander uh, margarita. And then use actually the reposado as well, just um, and, and use slightly less agave syrup because the reposado is a little bit sweet already. Um, but it's really, really nice, great, refreshing drink. Um, yeah, probably my, my go-to cocktail at the moment. Um, and then... Other than coffee, I've probably got to add in a beer, actually. <laughs> uh, it's summer over here now. <laughs> so um, definitely quenches your first. <laughs> That's for sure. Having a nice pint. 
It definitely does. I think that there's something about beer that is a different category of drinking as well. You know, it's, um, it is so thirst quenching that it falls in its own category. I, I don't know. I just I always just think, oh, beer is a given. Like it's got to be in there. <laughs> it has. And also, um, I mean, Mexico is, it's huge of beers. I mean, it's, I think it's one of the biggest um, producers of beers in the world. And um, when we were, Paul and I were out there as well, you know, we were drinking plenty of beers and they also have um, uh, a beer in, with tequila chasers as well, which is great. Um, so you have like a Corona and then you have like a tequila chaser to go with it. Um, and it's just a great combination. I love all the things you're saying. There's a reason why Australians and the English get on so well, you know, like we, we definitely, definitely have that in that in common. That's for sure. Um, I think that there's such good answers and, and what I love it, especially about Mexican cuisine and drinks is you can't really think about one without the other. You start thinking about, you know, like you said, coriander and chilies and limes and you start thinking about the cuisine and then you think about the drinks that go with it and all of a sudden you can be transported somewhere else and it really is the beauty of a really good drink is, um, you know, it starts you thinking about what you want to eat with it and then, like you said, the next minute you're on a holiday somewhere else. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, such good options. And I was just going to say, you know, when you do get, get here, the, the, the nerd that I am, I tried um, the Anejo and the coffee liqueur in a few different glasses because I think glassware is really important. And I have to say I found the Anejo was particularly great in like a Riesling, like a small white wine glass and the coffee liqueur in a good sherry or like fortified glass just brought out the aromatic so much more. And I just thought, you know, these these really are a product for um for taking your time over. I mean, go for a shot glass if you like. I'm not saying that there's there's a time and a place for that for sure, but they they really are a super premium product and got a huge amount of deep detail and complexity and a total pleasure to um, to taste. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's always an honor to hear. It's been so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for tuning in this morning and I hope that I get to see you when you land in Oz and good luck with the rest of the, the launch. Um, I think you're going to have the greatest success and it's been such a pleasure to hear the story. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time and, and trying our products and, and giving such great feedback. It's always a, it's always a huge honor to hear. <laughs> Much appreciated. Well deserved. Well deserved. Thank you, Nav, and thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Salute. Bye-bye. This is Over a Glass. I'm Shante Whale. Stay tuned for more stories from the world of wine and drinks. Listen in every Thursday on your podcast app. Follow us on Instagram at overaglasspod and contact us at overaglass at deepintheweeds.com.au.